What's up, Radical Christians? This is Drew Graffia. We're here for another episode of The Radical Christian. So what are we going to cover today? Yo, Drew. What up, man? What you doing in the studio? I'm filming a Radical Christian episode, man. Whoa, hold on a second. I thought we were supposed to be recording for the Millennial Mustard Seed. Come on, dude. Let's get this episode done. Uh, yeah, let's do that. That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) That's always fun. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm so happy that you're here with me for another episode of the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. Listen, we got some ground to cover. Obviously, I have Drew Graffia here. We're going to be talking about the UFO disclosure. It's right on the horizon, you guys. This information has been flooded on social media, articles, news sources. They're they're finally starting to uh, get prepared for this full disclosure that is literally knocking out the door. We've seen soft disclosure in the past, but nothing like what I believe we're about to see given to the American people. Drew, I'm happy that you're here, man. But first off, let's get right into this topic. I know we have so much ground to cover. So just take it off. Tell us what we need to hear. Okay, so we'll start at the beginning. Basically, with the COVID-19 relief bill passed in January, with it was passed the Intelligence Authorization Act. Now, that gave the Pentagon six months to release any information on aerial phenomenon, any phenomena or anomalous aerial videos, basically UFOs. So most of us who are awake, not woke, who are awake, we know that the whole COVID thing is a managed agenda. It is deliberately designed and pushed out to, to further the overall agenda, you know, depopulation, just prepping for the mark of the beast. Now, the fact that this is linked with that in the COVID bill tells me this is a managed agenda as well. Now there's thousands of documents they've released online um, at, with the CIA databases. You can go search, you can go look, and they're just talking, candidly talking about, yeah, we see these things. We don't know what it is. We, uh, it's off world craft. They're basically, that's basically soft disclosure as LA would call it. Now, what this tells me, if it's a managed agenda and then they're, they're releasing all this information and then in June, there should be a bigger one then they're they want they're they're guiding us down this path to expose us to these beings then you look at that and you think who are these beings are they from another planet way far off no because every time in history where we've heard from these visitations from these people where they abduct people or people would have visions with them or anything any sort of interaction they'd say oh we're from this planet this this galaxy and then when we could see that far according to to modernly accepted science, we could see that far, they'd say, oh, we're from this place, and it was a farther place, and then it's a farther place. And so so the more that we we know about the, the, the space, the universe around us, they push it back, and they say, oh, we're from just, just out of your reach. Okay, I think they are actually here right now, right in the atmosphere surrounding us. I think these are the spiritual beings who have been kicked out of heaven, who've been kicked out of that spiritual realm, they've been cast down to this, this spiritual realm on earth, the, uh, the underworld is, as you know, like Sheol. Sheol would be like the holding place for the, for the people who have died, who um, 
who are awaiting God to, you know, scoop them out of there. This is before Jesus came. But then there's the area that people know as Tartarus. It's basically the underworld reserved for supernatural beings who rebelled against God and are now separated from his presence. So that realm is thought to be on earth. Now, I think these beings are the rebellious beings that aren't operating from God's realm. They're operating from the underworld realm on this planet. You know, these ancient entities have been showing up and disturbing humankind since the beginning. I mean, we see it in the garden. You know, when I first listened to the Radical Christian, your show, you mm -hmm. covered the Nakash in the garden. I mean, we're dealing with the same entity. It's the same lie, right? Like transhumanism's like, you won't die, you'll be gods. And it's like, it's the same lie. Real quick, Luke 21, 26, it says, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. What do you think is going to cause men's hearts to fail? Do you think it's going to be the physical arrival or just the turmoil of the day and age? Well, we can keep this all based in the Bible, as we should do with, with everything. But here, here we go. What beings do we see mm. that terrify mm -hmm. people in the Bible? Okay, you see demons who are the... Uh, there's Demons is kind of a broad term, but the way most of us understand demons would be the disembodied spirits of the... The giant clan, the Nephilim. So now, those those inspire fear in people. They're the same as they were on Earth. It's the same spirit just now, on the other side. It's in that underworld world realm I was talking about. Okay, the other ones we see are angels. Every time an angel appears, fear not, fear not, fear not. The reason being is they can be terrifying. So a lot of times they have the ability. You know, if you're familiar with Russ Dizdar, he says Meta Skids Mazato, um, or I always forget the exact way to say it, but basically it's the ability to transform. Satan himself can transform into an angel of light. So they transform into men. They don't have wings. They transform into men to speak to men. Why? Because they're messengers. They're sent to be ministering spirits. They are sent out by God. They're deployed by God to go interact with humanity in a good way, to bring glory to God, to bring help to his people in his name. Now, when they appear... Sometimes they're unrecognizable from a man, indistinguishable. So it's just like, oh, who's this man? And then they'll, they'll do something that kind of gives it away to kind of like ease them into oh, wow. like, I'm, an, I'm a divine being. But then other times they yeah. show up a little more gloriously. And then people are just dumbstruck. Like they see a bright, shining figure. That's where you get descriptions like his body was like topaz, all these rare gems mm -hmm. and bright, like burnished bronze, which is like a shining look. You, because they show up with the spiritual body showing a little bit and it's their celestial body. And it's kind of like, you know, it's just shocking. It's scary. It's terrifying. When you see something like that, it's terrifying. So then men's hearts will fail them for fear of what's coming on the earth. If any, if an angel can terrify people, a good angel, then a being who's twisted and evil and distorted, of course, is going to terrify people. So no matter what shows itself to humanity, it's going to terrify people. So you could look at it as it's just the, the, the negative beings trying to scare people. I look at it as anything that shows up to somebody is going to scare them unless they specifically try not to scare them. Yeah. Cause you have deception. You have the whole new age movement. People show these angels showing up, these evil angels showing up as angels of light and, Oh, I'm the ascended master. So-and-so, Oh, I'm Jesus. And, and I, I was a normal human who ascended to this godlike level. And you could do that too. It's like, no, that's why John told us to test the spirits. If they can't confess that Jesus is Lord, then they're evil. 
But basically, I think what that verse means in Luke is that we are going to see the veil lifted. Like when Elisha prayed for the veil to be lifted so his servant servant was worried about the Assyrian troops in front of him. And then he says, Lord, open his eyes. And then he sees these chariots, which implies people in the chariots, chariots, horses, flaming fire all in the sky. Now that veil is the, the, the membrane separating the spiritual realm from the physical realm. Now we, I believe at the, the garden, because you have the garden of Eden where the, the spiritual realm touched the physical realm and they met up. So that's where both beings were there. You have the Nakash there guard, guarding it because he was a guardian cherub. You have God there walking in the cool of the day. You have Adam and Eve. You had other beings there as well. That was the home base, the touching point for the two families, heavenly and earthly. So now what happened was the, the Nakash, the serpent, got them kicked out of the garden. Basically, he, he made it to where they had to be removed or else it would cause further damage to everyone. They would, they would eat from the tree of life, therefore extending their life into immortality, then always being separated from God, never being able to have that redemptive kind of reborn experience. So they, they remove, they get removed from the, the place where heaven touches earth. Okay. Now we are in this physical realm where we don't see into that realm as often, unless it's permitted, unless the veil is lifted. So I think what's going to happen is the veil is going to be lifted. They're going to start showing themselves because these beings, you don't, you'll see videos on YouTube of like, oh, an angel caught on tape. I don't think anything you see is a being that didn't want to be seen that got caught. I think if you are in that realm, you have an ability to show yourself. That's why watchers, they're called watchers because they watch over humanity. They watch, they're, they, they vigilant, never sleeping, always wakeful. Mm-hmm. They appear to people. You know, when you see Jesus going into the crowd, he disappeared. I think he hid his self from their detection when he fled. You know, you have these beings, they can decide when, they, when they're seen and when they're not. So in the end times, they're going to show themselves. Whatever they are, demons, fallen angels, or a different race that's still rooted in the spiritual realm, they're going to show themselves. And even when you see a big imposing man, it can be scary to some people. I don't know personally how I feel about the vaccine, but Drew, do you think it could potentially, they could blame this on like alien warfare with us? Like, like, do you think they might be able to say like, oh, aliens may have introduced biological warfare to, to humankind? They, they definitely could. They literally could do anything. I know one, one theory that Tom Horn, he always speaks about is um, it could be a sort of dark communion where this antichrist figure his blood type his rare blood type because he's a hybrid being it's the only blood that can have the cure for this new plague that humanity has he sees it he could he sees that as a possible scenario but when you just look at the fact that it's technology they're putting into people again when you link that back to the bible where do we see that happening we see that happening in genesis 6. you know you have the enoch account where they traded knowledge sorcery divination warcraft technology and and seduction means they traded those for women so that's why you you see people start to make weapons for the first time armor you you picture this you have a, a nomadic people you know just wandering around tending to their herds wearing robes okay then all of a sudden one guy instead of having a stick you, you're having an altercation you guys are going to war you have a stick he shows up and has crafted metal a, a, a metal stick and you're like what's this you go to fight him he snaps your stick in half now it's like this is a game changer i can't do anything to this guy so then you make the deal 
where did he get that? Oh, these beings that they, they willingly, these gods, they willingly give the knowledge. All you have to do is, you know, pay them tribute, worship them, give them, give them your daughters. And these people are like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my flocks. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And, and I'm going to be powerful. Let's do it. Then people start to get weapons. They start to get armor. They start to build cities. They start to fortify their cities. Now God looks down and there's violence everywhere because not only did they give them the means to kill each other, but they also gave them the means to communicate with them. So they said divination. Hey, here, look at these stars. This is how we want you to communicate with us. Hey, do these rituals. When you do these, I'll know to show up to you and, and we'll interface. When God is like, no, 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 you only interface with me. You're not supposed to interface with them. So that all of that to say technology, they brought technology. Look what's happening now. Implants in people, they bring technology. Because to them, there's a verse in Enoch that says, the, you, you showed them the the worthless secrets of heaven or the minor secrets of heaven. So these weren't even the big, the big ringers of secrets that, that are in heaven. But this little bit of technology they brought caused the whole world to have to be flooded. Now, right now they're putting implants, they're doing all this stuff. They, the, you see them in those crafts that can make hundred percent like, or like full speed right angle turns. And they're real crafts, real crafts. You can feel, you can touch when you see the craft that's left behind. Like you talk about Roswell, they have stuff in their hand. That's because I think it's because they don't have the same capabilities as before. They have the same knowledge, but not the same capabilities. So they have to create a way to move around. And man, you just covered a lot. I don't want to shift too much here. You know, we see Darwinism as this great lie that we came from a fish, right? And then we evolved through all these different things. I was in the Old Testament a little bit digging around and I noticed that Dagon is their God. They're making these sacrifices. I'm looking, I'm like, well, hold on. Dagon's got the lower body of a fish. Do you think even the lie of Darwinism today could be connected to some of those same root entities like Dagon, like this ancient Philistine god? Do you think there could be a connection there? I mean, it's, I know it's a weird question, but it just like something clicked in my head where I'm like, well, how come Darwinism says we come from a fish and we evolve, yet there's an ancient false god who, who's literally trying to move against, you know, Yahweh, the one true god, and he's represented as like this fish deity. Yes, so Dagon, he he is from what I remember, he's depicted he has this fish cape on with the with the helmet of a fish head. Now, this can be related back to the Apkalu, who who had different appearances. They had a, a falcon's type head. And and they were I think Apkalu translates as big water man. So now they were the they were the watchers basically okay. before a different culture. I think I believe the Babylonians. They were the basically the Babylonians told these stories of these people who came down, their gods, they gave them divine knowledge. These were the ones who set up civilization, and they, they saw them as a good thing. Now, when the writers of Genesis 6, so basically Genesis 1 through 11 is, is like the, mm -hmm. the primeval history of everything. That was written way later. So when he when they were writing that, they knew about the Apkalu, and they were saying, oh, no, not the Apkalu. Here's the real story. These things came down, and they destroyed everything. Oh, wow. And then it had to be destroyed by a flood. So when you think of a flood... If you look at the flood account, it doesn't talk. I believe it doesn't talk about the fish being destroyed. So then, then you think because you know it's water, so they wouldn't be. So then it's like, okay, if we're going to insult God, what are we going to say? We're going to say, oh, guess what? You didn't kill the fish. We're fish people. We have these fish appearances. Like we survived the flood because the spirits don't die. The spirit, their, their spirits were still alive. You know, it killed the living things. It didn't kill their spirits. So then now they kind of put a stick in God's eye and say, oh, now everyone comes from a fish because when the world was restarted with the flood, we're all, like the fish were the only thing that survived. 
So now it's kind of, it could be a possible jab at him. Like, oh, now you're all your people are from fish. Cause that's all that. that it sounds like a jab to me. <laughs> like, what do you see happening in the next month and a half with people in our country when they, you know, unbelievers and believers in our country, when they get hit with this information, do you see panic happen? I mean, do you have any foresight into what you think is going to happen there? If I, if I had to guess a possible thing that would happen was they, they reveal that they're real, but they don't show them. So then everybody who sees them won't really care because, because if you notice in this, in this, when you're talking to people about God, even in the conspiracy, like when quote unquote conspiracies, they're all, a lot of them are true. But basically when you tell people about conspiracies and they give you this reaction of, dude, you're ridiculous. There's no way. Like you're telling me they could re they could record through my laptop, they could turn on my camera remotely. That's ri that's ridiculous. And then when it comes out, they're like, "Oh, dude, I don't care. I don't have anything to hide." And it's like, no, you don't get to be both ways. You don't get to be completely opposed and then not caring the incident happens. You know, so all these people, oh, dude, you, you believe in aliens? That's ridiculous. The second it gets exposed, because they're seeing all this. If they're even seeing this stuff right now, they're just probably like, oh, like whatever. And then if it gets if it gets said, yes, we have made contact with beings, blah, 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 there'll be news articles, there'll be all this stuff, some people's worlds will be rocked, but if they don't show them, it's just going to be another thing. A lot of people are going to think it's fake, a lot of people are going to, you know, there's going to be tons of new conspiracies that aren't true, there's going to be truths thrown in there, but I think they could they could disclose, they could reveal it, and it can go on for a while of them not even having to show them. But I think there will be a point where they're seen. You know, we see, we see in the end, Revelation 9, the angel opening up the, the bottomless pit. And these, these basically imprisoned watchers in that realm are released in this kind of dark cherubic form. You know, sharp teeth, long hair, breastplates of iron, legs of horses, you know, scorpion tails. They're basically released. Now, what I think that is, is they are now given, they're restored their, a, a lot of their power to access the physical realm. They know you no longer need to do rituals to bring them in. You no longer need to do, you know, all these different methods, worshiping them, praying to them, invoking their name. Now it's just, boom, five-month open season on humanity. So will we even see them then? I don't know, but I think we'll be able to. But as for... Aliens, that, that's going to be used to basically replace God. And here's another thing that I, that I think will happen, um, a, a possible thing. I, I wouldn't die on this hill, but this is what I think might happen. Whatever the, the rapture timing is, let's say we get raptured, they have the perfect cover. Oh, yeah, the aliens came, took out all the people who were against humanity. We pre-selected all the ones who would hold you guys back, and we removed them. So now we can move forward in our new age, the golden age, the rebirth of Saturn's reign. Wow. That that's uh that's interesting because you're right, they could go so many different directions with that and that's not out of the realm of possibility. Are we seeing the end of that veil? Right? Are we seeing instead of like these secret occult societies having to operate in the background to try to introduce these entities, are we just going to see the veil get lifted like you said in Revelation 9 and these these entities have no restrictions now? Are they going to be able to operate in our real time the way that the Bible says they will right here in, in Revelation 9? Lord, protect us and help us here, you know, because we know that secret societies exist. We know that the occult, 
you know, they, they're damaging people. You look at what certain members of the body of Christ, what their gift is, whether you're an elbow, you know, you're a wrist, you're a leg, a knee. There's, there's people that are out there putting their whole lives into repairing and restoring people that have been damaged by the occult. You know, whether it be through the mind or through some type of abuse of the system they learned. So all of this stuff, in my opinion, Drew, this is why I love talking to people across the board. Because I've had some people say, oh, well, why'd you interview this guy or that guy when he doesn't fit into my, you know, religious box? And I'm like, well, listen, hold on, you guys. If we confess and believe Jesus Christ is Lord, we have the Holy Spirit with us. And he is working out the error in us, like the scripture says, until his coming or when we leave the earth, he'll bring us to that state of perfection. So instead of like pointing fingers and saying, well, you're wrong or you're wrong, like what we see most of religion do in the world. So I love having these kind of discussions with people because I I know it puzzle pieces things together for me. What does uh, Mike Heiser say? He's like, he, he got to the point where he didn't want to protect anybody from the Bible, right? He's like, I don't want to protect people from the Bible. I just want you guys to go and, and let it be what it is yeah. because it's so important. What are you doing right now, Drew? What are you working on? For the stuff that I'm working on, I'm taking a break from my book and doing something different for this conference because I just wanted to do something a bit unusual. I wanted to do something not just, you know, hey, here's a bunch of knowledge I've gathered and this is really deep stuff, this is really important stuff, and then just put more knowledge out there. What I wanted to do was kind of speak to the person who may not have that big of a grasp on some of the deeper things, and I wanted to do something a little more fun. So this year, I mean, and, I, and anybody who hears this, please pray that I get this done because I am swamped. It's a blessing to be working for the kingdom and having so many things that I, that I need to get done. But um, so what I wanted to do this year, and this is the first time I've mentioned it um, on anywhere. So it's I wanted to do a story of Michael and Satan, a story of betrayal. So I'm going to go through, uh, I'm going to start with a fictional version based on the facts in the Bible, and then I'm going to break down what those facts were in each section. So for instance, the first the first section is going to be the creation of the angels. You have the creation of Michael, you have the creation of Satan. They were brothers. Satan was created perfect in all his ways. You have Michael. They they're given their names. Michael's name is who is like God. So there there's an interaction there. There's the, the brothers meeting. You know, these are brothers who loved each other at one point. And then if you look through the Bible, who sold Joseph into slavery? His brothers. You know, all throughout the scripture, mm-hmm. there's there's instances of this happening. David's brothers were jealous of him when he got raised uh, to be the next king of Israel. And then the earliest, the first known murder, Abel, Cain killed Abel. So there's something that can pervert and poison brothers against one another. So what I wanted to do was do a, a fictional account, get get people interested. It'll be fun. It'll be exciting. And then go into the facts behind it. Because there's a lot of history. And I go into extra biblical stuff as well. And I'm going to preface it in the beginning and, and talk about how, you know, the Bible is the ultimate authority. We have extra biblical accounts that we could treat sort of as history books. We can't for sure bank on their validity unless it matches to the Bible. But that's a, that's a little bit of what I'm doing. 
that's awesome and and thanks for giving me that that inside scoop yeah and the reason why i wanted to do it this way is because you can write the most researched deep theologically deep book in the world but if it only helps the people who are already on that level then what is it doing for the guys who aren't on that level so the, I had this this kind of feeling the other day where I'm just like, man, what am I going to do? What, what am I going to leave behind for the last days? What, what do I want to communicate? Because I could use the, the, the small platform I have to just be a part of the bigger club, speak to the theologians and speak to the people in that circle and say, hey, look, I can, I can you know, input into this realm too, or I can try to do something that someone who walks by the, the bookstore or whatever and they see they see something like oh biblical super soldier what's that or they see something like michael versus satan what's that about you know and they pick it up and they're like oh wow this is cool and it's not intimidating so so i think it's important that we think about what are we going to leave behind what are we going to do what are we going to with our time what are we going to tell people because the ultimate thing you can tell them about is Jesus. But if you put it behind this wall, this mountain of stuff, there's a time and place for that for sure. Because there's people that are hungry and they need that deeper stuff. You're feeding those people who are going to go feed the others. So, so don't get me wrong. And I still will do stuff like that. But the point of it is I, you also want to strategically do stuff for the person who's just getting their foot in the door. I think uh, people who have followed L.A. since the beginning – he was the master at that, you know, he, I he, agree. Would, he, uh, cosmic chess match, even his, his trilogy, the Nephilim trilogy. So he's been making these videos consistently. He's not, he's not leaving people out of the club. He go, he goes over stuff. He does like refreshers each episode. And then he does go into areas that, that are deeper. He does touch on those. He does go into those realms, but he doesn't leave people behind. And you, you anybody in this, community that we're in you know knows of la they have fond memories of la you know josh peck he he was deep in a new age he had, he saw la on sid roth he ended up trying to contact him he said oh this will never work he'll never reach out to me la reached out to him talked to him and then that that's how josh was started down this journey so it's like do you want to do stuff that lifts up your name do you want to do stuff that lifts up your your ministry do you want to do stuff that lifts up blah 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 blah. do you want to do power moves that put that position you and do all this stuff or do you want to do stuff that helps the person who's out mowing lawns for money trying to support their family and they're listening to a podcast and they're like oh man this is awesome they're talking about giants and then they start looking oh man giants are all throughout the bible let me go let me go read some of this and then boom they're in it's so it's it's exciting to think that we could work and serve those people who are to just want to get in the door and to be able to just talk about these things and get people you, hey if if i can spark somebody to the the interest of going and rereading their bible again listen whether we water or plant the seed the labor payment is going to be good it's going to come from the hand of god and not being ashamed just not being ashamed because there's so many people there's so many people out there that have that exact 
mentality. Where do I go with this? What do I do with this? They may be disconnected from a guy like LA. Like they just didn't get there yet. They haven't stumbled upon his work, you know, and like some guy from the millennial mustard seed that, you know, they went to school with or used to hang out with. Oh, he's got a podcast. Oh, megalithic structures. Well, that's cool. I love watching the history channel. You know, they get into it. And that's the work that I wish the church would be doing more instead of like when you walk in, like, oh, take your hat off. Right. Or like back in the day when there was the guys who would take their sandals off. You know, the hippie, I heard a lot of stories about this and they take their sandals off and be putting their toes on the back of the chair. And like, you got that person who's like, somebody go tell them, get their feet off of that chair. Like, that's the mentality. When I say the church, I mean, as like a whole, like the religious church, like they're more worried about how do we like, you know, whip these guys into the shape that in the, the stance that we want them to look like, then they're more worried about the compassion of have they seen the love of Christ? You know, these broken people that live in our neighborhoods, in our cities, have they seen compassion? Have they seen somebody with no motive in mind other than, listen, brother, he is risen. And you know my past, right? You know my testimony. I was dead. And brother, I'm becoming alive more and more as I walk with the Lord. That's what the church needs to be portraying. And then when there's this segment of people who have these questions or experiences, whether it be dreams or they see something or they're having some type of dark entity harass them. We need to be able to be biblically sufficient to the point where we can pray with them. And, and you know, just like the Archangel Michael said, the Lord rebuke you when he's disputing with Satan over the body of Moses. Look, God is on the throne. He's going to crack the sky. He's going to come back soon. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I just hope and pray that the diligence continues in whatever ministry God uh, allows me to be in and your ministry, Drew, I don't like like boasting with people like, oh, this guy's so great. I don't want to like build people up like that. But man, I got a lot of respect for you. Like I listen to your, the Radical Christian show, your podcast, and I'm at work, right? I got laid off for like a week. I come back to work, right? So like, it's like a challenging time for me. And I had already been wrestling through these biblical ideas and topics based upon I'm a magnet for people wanting to tell me strange things. Like I just go places and people like, trust me. They like talk to me and they're like, I just want to tell you this. And I'm like, do you know me? And they're like, no, I just felt like I could tell you. And I'm like, you need to pray. <laughs> but, but anyway, I'm listening to your show, man. And you were touching on topics and you had this passion, you know, this solidness to you where I knew you were seeking. Like the Bible says, seek me and find me. Like the Bereans, they search the word daily. They search the scriptures daily to see these things be true. Like you mentioned in the beginning of the episode, we test every spirit, right? You test them. It's okay. You know, the Bible's not going to disappear because you might, you got one thing in error. I think a lot of us have things in error, but by the patience and grace of God, we're working it out over time. And those people, what, what I'm really getting at here is those people are out there and I'm one of those people. And you've poured into my life, LA, Chuck Missler, you know, Derek Gilbert, you guys have poured into my life. Like a lot of the times I'm doing these podcasts, I'm talking with a diversity of people. I'm learning so much along the way. So when I get messages from people saying, yo, puzzle piece clicked together, or, oh my gosh, what was that about? I never heard that. Or now I'm reading through this. I'm like, Lord, this is what you do. Right, like, like Rod has no real control. I'm just like the dump, the dump, the dump. Some average guy with a little podcast and upload. This is a cool episode, mm-hmm. and to see how it goes out and affects people, it doesn't return void. Mm-hmm. So it's my honor, you know, honestly, to be able to talk with you guys, everyone, you know, all the way back from, you know, my sister Amber was the first one. Like I begged people, just like in my neighborhood, like, can you come on my show? Like I'm 
here is me talking by myself over and over and over again. And, and <laughs> I love every person's story, you know, from the people that are on the front lines and everybody knows their name and face and the people that, you know, are the pastors that are fighting in these dark neighborhoods. And as this show grows, I continue, I would love to continue to just open up that spectrum and get people on here who believe in the gospel and they can paint the picture of what they're dealing with, you know, what they're experiencing. I'm sorry for taking up such, such a long segment there, but. No, no. Praise God for that. Praise God for that, man. You, you can see your heart in that. It's, you just want to help people. You just want to give for them, give to them what was, has been given to you. And now uh, one thing I do want to say is that I see the Star Wars poster in the back of your, <laughs> in the back of your, uh, your room. Um, and there's actually a, a funny thing. And, and the reason why I say this is because I, this is what I want to do. Cause it, all throughout the Bible, people talk and relate to other cultures stories or they relate to the culture of the time. So like they quote Greek philosophers, Paul, I think Paul's quoted Greek philosophers. They, they quote from pagan texts. And the reason why they do that is to relate to those people. So when it comes to Star Wars, I was actually watching a clip the other day, and it was a story, and this was for, for research, it was a story of Anakin and Obi-Wan from the prequel movies. And now the reason why I want to say this is because I know there's people that are listening, because it's a millennial mustard seed. So I know there's people that are listening that have watched those and know exactly what I'm talking about. So this may seem weird, like, oh, why are you mentioning Star Wars? We're talking about the things of God. It's like, well, listen, because there's people that this will hit with. So you see Anakin from when he's a boy. He, he, he meets Obi-Wan. He takes him under his wing. They're, they're training together. They develop this bond. You, you know, you're, you're my brother. He sees his brother grow in power. And then somewhere along the line, he, he, whether it was a failure on Obi-Wan's part to guide him properly or whether it was just the growing pride in someone who was really powerful, you see this, this person, Anakin, slowly start to succumb to pride, start to succumb to, to doubt. This was, this was us. Each one of us was Anakin in the story. We were succumbing to all these things. Now, it gets really, really heartbreaking when you see he gets to a point where he doesn't trust anyone. He's getting manip- he, he won't listen to reason. He won't listen to the harsh guidance of the Jedi Council who are saying, hey, we know this. We don't, we don't want you to, to be advanced. You're not ready. It will destroy you. And then he has his leader who, who's going through a, who's struggling through stuff as well. But then he, he, he takes the guidance of a dark mentor, Palpatine. He starts getting corrupted. Now, this was us getting corrupted by the world. He gets to a point where he chokes his, his wife. He doesn't know who to trust. In a rage, he chokes her. She passes out. He sees his brother. They start to fight. And this is a fight to the death. And ultimately, that that chapter of the story ends with his rage, his unbridled, uncontrolled emotions, which were supposed to be self-controlled. The the Bible tells us to be self-controlled. His uncontrolled emotions led to him losing this fight that he never should have been in. He's sitting there, you know, arms and legs chopped off, being engulfed in flames. And his, his brother's like, you were the chosen one. Like you, we were brothers and basically you betrayed me. You got to the point where you've separated yourself from your wife. You separated yourself from me. You, you, and then he, I forgot he killed the younglings. He killed all those young kids. He did deeds that are, that are seemingly unforgivable. 
and he got his life to such a point where he lost everything. You know, finally, the next chapter he comes to, he's in his whole Vader suit, and he's like, where's, where's my wife? Where's Padme? And then Palpatine says, in your rage, you killed her. And this is a person who, who, who kept giving in to his emotions, kept, you know, taking the dark guidance, kept not, fix, not working on himself, not fixing things. And he got to a point where he lost everything. And I think when I watched that, man, God, I was doing that same thing and you stopped me. You didn't let me get to the point where I lost everything. Amen. So many times I could have lost everything and you didn't let me lose everything. And it's, it, it, it brings me to tears because it's just like, just because of his mercy, he decided, you know what, Drew, you're not going to lose everything. Because if he didn't stop me, I would have lost everything many times. I'd be in jail right now or I'd be dead. No joke. Not, not just, that's not a metaphor. I would be dead. There's several times where I could have been dead because of my choices. And he stepped in and decided, just because of how merciful he is, he decided, I'm not going to let you lose everything. So when I see that story, it breaks my heart because it's like, that's a man who lost everything. In the end, he ultimately gets redeemed at the very end of his life. But look at the great, great losses he had to take along the way. And God, God provides a way for us not to take those unnecessary losses. We still will suffer. We still will go through pain. But it's just we serve such a merciful God. And for, for us to ever show pride like maybe Anakin did, we need to always check our hearts. We need to always remember, hey, you're not too lofty to do anything. Let's say Millennial Mustard Seed takes off. You're, you're everywhere. You're getting hundreds of thousands of views. You will be tempted to start being high on yourself, to start feeling like, you know, okay, I must have done something right. And it's like I want everyone listening to this, including myself. I'm putting myself on notice. We can't be prideful. This is the end of the age. We have to help people. We have to just do our work for the kingdom and not worry about anything else. This show is reaching the people it's supposed to reach. There's there's people that it's it's reaching. It's getting where it's supposed to go. And there's nothing like super significant. I'm not like a big numbers guy, but I was looking at the stats with my wife and there was 24 countries that we got downloads in. And I'm like, honey, I'm like, if this starts to actually go somewhere, I'm like, you know, we need to be in agreement and prayer to keep in check. I said, because we're living in strange times and even the ministry work. I mean, how many times have we seen pastors fail throughout the years because they start getting up, you know, in status and, and people start knowing them and they're, you know, they love mm -hmm. something about this person who just blows up and then all of a sudden they get tempted and, and let astray live. But, but to, be a Christian, it's so difficult because you're dying to your flesh, right? When these things arise, like when your wife's making you mad, well, she's the closest neighbor you're ever going to have because she lives in your house. So now you, you know, so like the world may say, oh, well, he's, he pampers his wife or, you know, he would, no, like I love people enough to look like a fool, even if it helps win them over. You know what I mean? Like we got to be willing to, to look mm -hmm. like a fool if people are laughing and mock i heard la talk about this man 25 years ago people used to laugh he he was saying just the other day my christian brothers were mocking me and laughing and kind of making fun of what i'm doing and he's going listen no this stuff is real it's merging it's happening and now you know we look down the road 25 years with his diligent of study and prayer and just uncovering everything that he's called to do 
And now a lot of those same people are turning around going, hey, man, you're kind of on to something. Or, hey, I can't dispute your what you're presenting anymore. And now check this out. You see the godliness, right? Because godliness is going to be when <laughs> Christ is in us. We understand we're wretched. We've been forgiven. And now we're extending that same thing to our brothers and sisters. Like, like love covers a multitude of sin. You know, bearing each other's burdens. You know, somebody may be here on the path. Somebody may be here. Somebody may not be started the path yet. But, but just being that family. I know the scriptures say love will grow cold in the end of the age. Let's not let that happen between us our households, the neighbors that talk with us, the places that we go, let's keep our love where it needs to be, which is going to be in Christ Jesus. Yeah, man. And for anybody out there too, who's thinking like, oh, these, these people, cause I always, I always wonder, like I would always listen to people and think, oh dude, they got it figured out or, oh, that they, they have it together. So if anyone is thinking that like, oh dude, Drew and Rodney have it together. It's like, no, it is hard. I'm telling all of you right now, it is hard to be a Christian at times. It is hard for me to do the things I know I have to do. You know why? Because my flesh is strong. Why is it strong? Because I'm not, because I'm a human, obviously, but because I lived for years building it up. It's like if you work out and you work out for years and then you stop working out, you don't shrink right away. Your muscle, your muscle mass doesn't go away right away. You retain a lot of that. So every day I'm fighting to not autopilot and react how I want, do what I want, not do the things I need to do. Even Paul talks about it. The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And it's because the natural path of humans Amen. is to feed the flesh after the fall. It's the, that's just the natural way. So if anybody thinks, oh, you have it figured out, I, I, may, I may know... Um, a lot more things from doing research longer than a person here or there, but I'm still a, a square square one. I have to battle my flesh at square one every day. So don't get discouraged, anybody who's listening. It is a constant hmm. battle, but guess what? There's no other yeah. option. There is no other option. I don't consider giving into your flesh an option because look at Anakin. One decision after another leads to irreparable damage, murder, you know, and you can be forgiven, but you're not always spared the consequences. David had to have his son taken from him by God for, for taking another man's life, taking another man's wife and his life. And that's David, a, a man after my own heart. That is a guy who he did all kinds of sins except for idolatry. He never forsook God, but he did just about everything else. And so when you think like, man, it, it shouldn't be this hard, it's like, it is hard because you have to keep doing it. And, and it's like, we're at the end of the age, man. That, that should bring you comfort. My wife's always saying like, why do you always talk about the end times? Can we just get through dinner without you talking about an asteroid annihilating us or, you know, searching for food? But man, it's just like, it, it's exciting. It's exciting because I don't take it lightly. It will be really hard times and we all may lose our lives because we're told, you know, don't love your life unto death. But the thing is, we're close. We're close to meeting him. Even if the, the even if all these end times get extended another 80 years, we're still close to meeting him. Everybody's personal rapture is the day they die. Pre-trib, post-trib, anything, it doesn't matter. It's you, when you die, you, that's, that's it. So you all have a clock 
of when you're going to meet him. And this should get fill you with the fear of the Lord and just an eager anticipation. Make your decisions based on the fact that, that Jesus is returning, the God of this earth. What, what if he's right here above the sky? You look outside, you see the sky. What if he just lifts that like a scroll, like he said he would, and he's right there, boom, staring in at us? It's just an exciting time to be alive, and it's it's. I don't take it lightly, like I said, but Amen. it's going to be hard, but it's an exciting time. Wow, very well said. And um, I'm just going to read a couple little things that I wrote here, Drew, as we kind of wind down to the end of the episode. You can only truly make a positive dent in this world if your love for the truth exceeds your love for power. Satan offered Jesus all the disinherited nations that God disinherited. He offered the power to Jesus. Mm -hmm. He said, hey, I have this authority. You can have it. Exactly. And Jesus <laughs> His, denied it. The, the, the love of him fulfilling exactly what the agreement was with Yahweh in heaven. Now Yahweh's on earth and there, there's no separation. We love the truth of the gospel more than we love, you know, fame or where we can go or how people view us, that we're going to make a dent, whether it be one, you know, the scriptures say some people will reap, you know, a hundred, some will reap 10,000, some will oh, reap a yeah. hundred thousand. Trust is built when you're in danger and I get closer to you rather than running away. You know, if you think you're, you're, you're with a friend, right. And there's some type of danger, like, I don't know, a dog comes out and it's trying to bite you. Like trust is truly built. Like we can say whatever we want to say, but the actions of how we live, the fabric of our life and the peoples that we spend our lives with, you know, that trust. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like trust in the scripture. I'm talking about like trust with people, how we live is built when, when you're in danger or you're sick or like something happens and I'm getting closer to you. I'm gravitating closer to that, that danger and need to, to protect. My weakness is not that I allow you to treat me bad. It's that I'm over patient and winning you over. This is just like, like little stuff that I just kind of write, you know, mm -hmm. that's an example. Yeah. That's, that's Jesus being meek. That's Jesus having yes. all the power in the history of existence and deciding to lay his life down when they pull it, pull his beard out. He doesn't retaliate. He didn't even stop yeah. them. He could have just stopped them from pulling his beard out. Yeah. He could have taken less lashes yeah. on his back. He could have decided that's enough. He could have, and then the ultimate thing, he could have not prayed for those people that, that killed him. Murderers who killed him. He, he said, Lord, help them. They know not what they do. That's ultimate meekness. He would rather let himself be killed mm. than do the same to them. In that in that regard, now that self defense would be a, a a kind of different scenario. You know, you're protecting somebody, that's different. But he's Amen. giving his yeah. life over. The world is going to say you're meek. The world is going to say you're weak. The world is going to say, you know, oh look at this guy, he's a pushover or whatever, right? He just talks about this Jesus. But the world is falling and fading away. <laughs> like the scripture, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You know, but to those who are saved by it, like, man, this is the, the, the mercy, the grace, the power of God. It's the plan, the prophets and the people in the Old Testament desired to know the things we know today. What's on your heart as we kind of come to the end of this episode here? Uh, I'll say something about Michael. You know, his name is who is like God. It's a, it's a question. So the, the, the implication is no one is like God. So now Michael could have taken his name and thought to himself, 
I am Michael, who is like God. I am like the Most High. And could have taken the path his brother Satan took. I want to be like the Most High, Isaiah 14, 13. I, want to, I, I, will, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend to the tops of the mountains. I will, I will ascend to his mount of assembly, basically. Instead of Michael saying, who is like God, I, I am like God, he said, no one is like God. I will try to be like God. He lived out his life trying to be like God. You see that in the example you brought up of Daniel, where he got into an altercation with his brother. Ages past the fall, however many years past the fall, there's already bad blood. He's been betrayed. He sees his brother, and he's fighting over what's legally God's, the body of Moses. And he says, the Lord rebuke you. He won't even address him the same way. He won't address him as if he were God. He, he Imagine his, his hurt, his betrayal, his, his possible want for vengeance against his, his brother who took other, other brothers with him, who corrupted others, who now have no redemption. Redemption is for humanity, not, not angelic beings. And instead, he said, the Lord rebuke you. Instead, he went to the Lord. You know, he, he is an example in the heavenly realm of somebody who lives for the Lord. And that's what, that's what we need to be here. Jesus was the ultimate example. Michael pales in comparison to Jesus. Jesus washing people's feet. Man, that, that I have never washed anyone's feet. I'll say it right now. I, I, I should. I haven't. You know, and all I would, the, the, the main thing I would leave people with is read your Bible every day and just start trying to do what it says. Start trying to be how he says to be. Don't worry about getting everything right right away. Just time's running out. When are you going to wait till? You're going to wait till you lose your house. Then then I'll start praying to God. Then you're going to, you know, cash in a, a, a credit you never got. You know, you're going to, you, nobody can earn anything with him in that way and you can't earn salvation so it's just people need to start doing what they believe well that's it that's the show everybody thank you guys so much for being here with me for another episode coming to you from southeastern pennsylvania god bless america and good night